Welcome to the Main Street Morsels podcast, sponsored by Main Street Pediatrics, located in Parker, Colorado, off of E-470 and Parker Road. Good afternoon. Welcome to Main Street Morsels. I'm Lori Phipps, the owner of Main Street Pediatrics in Parker, Colorado. Welcome to the next episode. Uh, we have Megan here with us. Dr. Megan's here again today. Um, we talked a little bit about SIDS and the Back to Sleep um, campaign that started uh, over a decade ago, I guess, at this point, probably longer. I'm yeah. dating myself. <laughs> um, but it made me think about how important it is to talk to families about tummy time, right? Because we have our kids on our back for so many hours of the day while they're sleeping. Um, and I think we kind of forget about how important it is to put them on their tummy. So let's talk a little bit about that. What is tummy time? Yeah, so tummy time is when we're putting our infant on their stomach while they're awake. So a common question I get is, well, what if I watch them while they're sleeping? Does that count towards <laughs> tummy time? And no, really the goal is to be able to have them awake during that time because it helps build the neck and the shoulder muscles. And it's actually a really crucial exercise, not just for motor development, but also for visual stimulation and sensory integration. And so being able to get them on their tummy and get getting them to start to work on their muscles and all of that, we're going to start to notice that all of their milestones really are going to progress. Yes. You know, those little ones, we don't have a ton of milestones that we're really trying to get them to do. Um, but a lot of that roots back to whether or not they're spending time on their tummy. Yeah. When should we start this? Like when should we wait until they're four months, six months? When is it safe? When when should we start all this? Yeah, so I recommend in clinic that as soon as that umbilical cord comes off, let's go ahead and start tummy time. And so when we first start it, I'm asking patients and families to try and get close to about 15 minutes in a 24 hour period. And then by about three months, we're trying to get to like an upwards of an hour. Um, and the reason I say three months, because a lot of times by four months, they maybe are just starting to roll. And so then the question becomes, well, how am I supposed to get an hour in a 24 hour period if my baby won't stay in that position? Um, and so that's a good thing. That yeah. means that we've yeah. been doing enough tummy time. And so it's not an hour consecutively, right? It's like maybe 30 seconds here. It's three minutes there. And so we're able to get an hour in a 24 hour period. And then, yeah, once they start to roll, they start to crawl, they're pulling to stand, all of those things, still good to try and put them in that yeah. position um, to try and help them work their way out of it. And then if they just never stay on their tummy and they're always back on their back or they're crawling around, totally fine. Yeah, yeah. So what kind of surface are we looking at? So should it be only in their crib? Should it be on the floor? I've had parents say, well, they're on their tummy while I'm holding them. They're sleeping on my chest. Does that count? Yeah, yeah. So like I said, I, I want them to be active. I want them to be awake. Uh, a lot of families are like, but my kid hates tummy time. It's useless. Yes. I don't want to do it. 
Well, is it because you're always putting them in the same position? They're bored at looking at the same thing? Because I know I don't want to stay in the same <laughs> position if my view is always the same. And so there's actually a couple different positions that we can utilize to try and help get that allotment of tummy time. So the first being that chest to chest. So I do want them awake, but if mom or dad can lay on their back or at a very mild incline, have them on their chest and allow some of um, the baby to push up against their chest or lift their head, that's great. It's also, I said, kind of a mild incline. It can be helpful when we're talking about babies with reflux. Yeah. We want to try and have them a little bit more upright. Um, and so doing that type of position with a refluxy baby would be helpful. Um, the next position being across our lap. So that baby is laying perpendicular on our lap. So that way kind of their shoulder line is right on like the outer end of our outer thigh can be a position. Um, and then there is also like a football hold or I like to call it the dad hold. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> what the dads tend to migrate towards. And that's when we're laying that baby across our forearm. Um, and so they're diaper region is closer to our elbow crease and then our thumb and forefinger are helping to support their lower jawline and then they kind of head bob um, on our hand but that helps them see kind of a wider range yeah. of the bottom of the floor yeah. um, and what's underneath us and then there is kind of that classic tummy time position and that is getting them on the floor so whether it's a rug or a mat um, but don't put them, they don't always need to just be like flat on the floor. Let's think about taking a towel roll and looping it around underneath their armpit or if we have a nursing pillow. Yeah. I really like this position when families tell me, well, I have a toddler at home and they're gonna step on them or I have a pet at home and so what if ha something happens there? Well, put them in that position and guess what? Those are your other two kids that are neglected. <laughs> and so if we get the baby in that tummy time position, they're able to lift up a little bit farther. And so then they're able to visualize us when we're on the floor giving our dog a nice belly scratch or we're playing with our toddler with their toys. And so then that is a whole nother kind of visual yeah. stimulation for that child. And they're not gonna hate it as much because they're not looking at that rug or the mat because they can only lift their head right. a few inches. Right, right, right. Also, when we put them in these positions, let's think about utilizing different toys to try and help, uh, like I said earlier, stimulate visual um, acuity and also sensory integration. So taking a mirror for them to look at their own face or being able to take a kind of bright, shiny toy that lights up and put it kind of in their peripheral so they have to turn. Or if you have a toy truck or like some sort of toy that'll move across their kind of sight line, do it across so that way they have to turn side to side and that helps work their neck muscles as well. Yeah. So we talked about how important this is developmentally, um, but one of the big things we've seen since the Back to Sleep campaign um, with all these babies spending so much time on their back is flat heads, right? Yeah. And the medical term for that is plagiocephaly. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, what is that and why is it so bad? 
Yeah, so plagiocephaly is any sort of flattening of the skull. So there is congenital and then there is acquired or positional. And really, tummy time is going off of trying to help alleviate positional or acquired plagiocephaly. And so it can happen in different spots of the head. And it's oftentimes because of the way the infant is sleeping or because of what they're doing during their awake time. So during sleep, we do want them sleeping on their back. That is why in the early 90s, they moved towards that back to sleep movement. Prior to the 90s, we were looking at maybe like one in 300 infants would have some degree of plagiocephaly. And then since the back to sleep campaign, we're now looking at about like one in four. Um, So it's quite a bit. And so We want to be able to then take the time that they are awake where we're able to alleviate some of that pressure on that skull. And so tummy time is a really great way to be able to do that. Um, But we also need to think about what other kind of things are we putting that child in. So think about um, positional devices and those types of things. Give us a couple examples. Yeah, so, you know, docatots are huge. Well, I'm going to keep them contained here, okay, but they're still on their back, and so it's not great. Or the mama ruse, um, where it's that swing aspect, and so they're getting stimulation from that moving mobile, and there's bright lights, but again, their head is up against something, and so that's not very helpful. What are other ways to prevent this? So tummy time, definitely. Um, What are other positions that we can put babies in to kind of take some of that pressure off? Yeah, so um, when we have our baby, try and see if we can do like a supported sitting position, even a newborn, just being able to hold them upright. When we're feeding them, let's not always put them in the crook of just one of our arms. Um, Let's try different positions to feed them in. We also um, try other kind of positional devices, depending on how old our child is, that maybe doesn't require so much pressure on the head. How much time are they spending in that car seat? So try and get them out. I mean, the car seat really should only, the baby should only be in there when we're going in the car and then getting them out. They shouldn't be sleeping in that. Um, And then finally, you know, they are sleeping on their back, but let's think about if we have, if they're sleeping in our room, they're in that bassinet and their head is always up towards our head. Well, naturally they want to turn towards where mom and dad are. It's a familiar sound and smell. And so rather than always having their head up by us, let's put their head down down towards our feet Um, so that way they have to turn their head that other direction yeah good good I didn't even think about that that's great well today um, we also have a true expert on plagiocephaly um, and I'm just gonna say up until very recently even though the medical community was aware of plagiocephaly. Um, It really was thought to be like a cosmetic problem. And, you know, we tried to tell parents about positioning and those types of things. But now I think we've all learned that it's more than just cosmetics. um, And there's actually some very effective treatments for this. So today we have with us from Cranial Technologies, Mary Kay McGuire, to talk a little bit about helmet therapy. Hi, Mary Kay, how are you? 
Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join us. Of course. Um, well, tell us a little bit about helmet therapy, and is that really the correct term? Um, our company calls it doc band treatment, but the generic term for you know all the products out in the field is helmet therapy. Gotcha, gotcha. And who is this therapy targeted for? Um, and what is that, is it made out of? So uh, the doc band or you know all the helmets out there are used for infants with the condition that you talked about already, plagiocephaly. Um, what it does is it applies a, a very gentle pressure where the head gets um, most prominent and leaves growth room where the head is flat. So it lets us redirect the growth into the flattened areas and make the head more symmetrical again. Um, it is uh, the doc band is FDA cleared for infants between three and 18 months of age. Gotcha. And it's made of a hyperallergenic medical grade foam and plastic. Um, with the baby's sensitive skin in mind. So there's, you know, testing has been done for the sensitivity and um, it's very light. It, you know, weighs less than six or seven ounces. Is this therapy, is it individualized for every patient or is it just like you're a small head, you're a medium head, you're large and everybody kind of gets the same thing? No, um, the document's custom made for every baby. So we do a 3D image of the baby's head shape and um, apply some modifications to the to the 3D image. And then we're vacuum forming the band around that corrected head shape. So it's very comfortable um, for the baby and it fits well. So the babies act like it's, um, they act like it's not there for the most part, even from the, the moment we put it on, um, they really don't fuss with it. Yeah, it's, it's really remarkable, I agree. Yeah. Um, what is the ideal time to start helmet therapy? Um, you know, we tend to see these flatheads occurring pretty early in, in our practice. I mean, even a one-month-old, three-week-old, one-month-old can already show signs of a pretty flat head. But what's the best time to start this? You know, because treatment depends on skull growth to correct the head shape, it's really best to start treatment when the baby is younger. Um, if a parent's concerned about their baby, baby's head shape, it's good to talk to the doctor about it at the two-month visit. And even at, from three to four months is a great time to get a, a free consultation. Okay. And then I think the best window for really capturing nice brain growth is four to six months of age. Gotcha. Gotcha. And how long can parents expect their baby to have this therapy? So it's really dependent on the age they start. Um, like I said, we're dependent on brain growth to change the head shape. And that's because it's a brain growth that um, pretty much causes the flattening to the head. So the, the brain is growing and pushing the skull out, but it's, it's an amazing organ, right? It takes yeah. care of it. And so when it's trying to grow and there's something resisting that growth, it says, well, I'm just going to go the easy way. And so it takes that path of least resistance. And that's where this misshapen head comes from. Yeah. So we're kind of trying to do the opposite. So um, because we're relying on that brain growth, if they're growing faster, the change is going to be faster. So a four month old can be in and out of treatment, sometimes as early as eight to 10 weeks. Holy cow. And that's 
it gets, yeah. And as the baby gets older, um, you know, at six months or, you know, six months or older, they might be in the treatment between three and four months. Okay. Okay. Is it ever too late to start this? Um, you know, I know I've had parents that when we first propose this to them, they're a little hesitant. Um, and then as the child grows and they don't see much change, they, they want to reconsider. Is When is it too late? Yeah, so at two years, um, the brain growth slows down. And so it's hard to impact um, that growth and direct it where we want to go. The other thing that happens is the bones get harder. Yeah. So with um, the bones getting harder and the growth slowing down, it's really harder to make an impact. Um, majority of head growth happens in the first year of life, so that's the best time. Um, but we can treat between 12 and 18 months and still see change as long as there is head growth going on. Okay, okay. How long do the babies wear the, the helmet or the band each day? Uh, so they wear the band 23 hours a day. Oh, the gosh. parents get, yeah, one hour off to clean the band and to clean the baby, but brain growth is constant. Yeah. And we're trying to capture as much of that growth as we can and direct it into the flattened part of the head. The other thing, if the band is off while the baby is growing, that custom feel that, you know, really makes the baby not notice the band there is lost when it's, when they're not wearing it all the time. Right, right, right. Well, that's good to know. I think parents are probably a little unprepared for that initially. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they, they, the babies don't seem to mind at all. No, um, not at all. Now, yeah, I, and I, it ahead. seems like once, you know, that first or second visit when they really see that head shape changing, yeah. the buy-in's a little easier because they're like, okay, it's working. I can make it through this short period. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, at consultation or when they're just getting the band on, that 23 hours, 23 hours a day seems like a long time. Yeah. But. I think some parents, too, worry like, oh, gosh, what are people going to think? Like, are they going to think something's wrong with my baby having this helmet on? Right. I mean, I think there's been some comedic stigma about that or maybe not so comedic. Um, now, I know there's all sorts of fancy little uh, helmeted babies out there. So tell us a little bit about what some parents have done just to kind of make it a little less medical. awkward. Yeah, yeah. medical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one one thing is just, you know, seeing other babies with it or you you now get introduced to someone and say, oh, I know someone who had that. And that always makes a parent feel a little bit better that they're not the only ones. Um, but parents really do make it their own. There are um, stickers that they can put on. Some of them do the full helmet wraps, similar to what you'd get on a micro, uh, motorcycle helmet. Um, some custom paint it. Um, they really have a lot of fun with it. You you learn a lot about the, the personality of the family when you see some of these dock bands. Yeah. So true. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so true. Yeah, I mean, some of them are just like adorable. Yeah. So adorable. Um, I mentioned before you got on um, that for a long time, and particularly here in Denver, um, there was a lot of resistance to treat plagiocephaly um, at the two major medical centers here for children. Um, what are your thoughts about that? And is there any data that tell us that it's not just a cosmetic problem? Yeah, there's definitely been more research done um, in the last 
um, probably even in the last 10 or 15 years that that really tell us there's more going on than just a misshapen head. Um, brain function seems fine, and that might be a little bit of of the belief that it's you know it's not medical, but there's so many functional um, and even some medical issues that come up with um, not treating plagiocephaly. So um, with the shift of the skull, so that's the lower part of the of the head. Um, you can see a shift in the ears and you can see facial asymmetry occur. And so one thing that just comes with that is the um, inability to have glasses sit correctly. And you can see some jaw issues. Yeah. Um, with brachycephaly, when the whole back of the head is flattened, that, that lower jaw can get shifted forwards and you can even see an underbite develop as early as, you know, eight months. Yeah. Um, so that's that's some basic real functional things. I think we see difficulty with safety helmets and sports helmets yep. when trying to fit it on that um, middle school age misshapen head. We had um, we had one pediatrician in one of our areas who they did not treat their child who had a kind of a moderate plagiocephaly, but they came in when the when the child was thirteen because of the trouble with fitting his sporting helmet. Gosh, yeah, yeah. It, it impacted his lacrosse. It impacted skiing because his ski goggles couldn't seal to the face because of the facial asymmetry. Yeah. Um, and bike helmet sat a little bit off. Yeah, I mean, those are definitely more than cosmetic problems. Well, Mary Kay, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and we're just so glad that we have been able to work with your company, Cranial Technologies, and it's made a huge impact, positive impact on our patients. Um, and we just couldn't be happier. So thank you again for sharing your time and expertise with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been it's been fun. Well, great. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank, thank you, everybody, you. for joining us um, for another episode of Main Street Morsels. And we'll see you again soon.